All right, Rabbi Osai, good morning, good morning. It is uh, a great schos baruch Hashem to, uh, to be able to learn in person together, though it was an incredible schos to be able to give Shir and Yerushalayim Yerakodesh as well over the last, no, not as well, it was the ultimate schos in life to be able to give Shir and Yerushalayim Yerakodesh over the last few days. But Baruch Hashem, it's such a wonderful schos to be able to be here with all of you in person as well. With that, let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. So thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. Stephen Terry's in for dedicating all the Sherman Drushels this month in memory of Steve's father, Bunim Tzvi Ben Chaim. Leah Sol, for her daughter, Ilana Bas Esther, and for all of those wounded in Eretz Yisrael. Yonasan and Rachel Wolf for a complete and lasting refuah for Rafael Yitzchak Baruch Ben Esther. Jerry and Sarah Walaski in the Schuster of Fuhr for Zachariah Dove Ben Peril Shira and Azriel and Iris Miller in the Schuster of all of the holy soldiers of the IDF and the merit of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. And I will say with that, let us begin. So Shechiyonu Vikimano Vehegiyonu, that we have the great Schuss Baruch Hashem to begin the last daf in Mesechus Kedushin. Today's daf is Pei Beis 82 and we are beginning at the top at the Mishnah. The Mishnah says as follows, Lo Yilamit Adam Ravak Svarim Sofrim, sorry. Below Tilman Isha Sofrim. So the Mishnah says as follows. Now remember again, continuing along the theme that we began in the Sugi of Yichud, and again, I just want to also point out, I mentioned it already when we were giving the show yesterday, is that there is so much to go ahead and speak about in the Halachos of Yichud, some real fascinating applications. This is the Sugi of Yichud. There is not the Sugi of Yichud. I mean, Yichud is referenced, but ultimately this is the primary Sugi of Yichud in Shas. So again, we didn't do it Halachic justice, but continuing along those same lines of appropriate behavior and interactions between the genders. So the Mishnah says as follows, a single man shouldn't be a teacher of young children. And that's the Gemara, that's what the, uh, that's what Rashi says over here. So from Rashi says, sorry, I'm just in this office, you're actually happy. So so from Rashi says, Melami Tinogos, Kilomar Lo Yarangil Ravak Dios Mina Sofrim. So again, we'll discuss why this is. A single man shouldn't be a teacher of young children. Velo Silmat Isha Sofrim. Similarly, again, a woman shouldn't be a teacher of young children. Rebbe Lazar Omer, Afni She'in Lo Isha Lo Yelamid Sofrim. Rebbe Lazar says, the truth is, it's not just a din and a young man. It's any person who's not married should not be a teacher of young children. Rabbi Huda Omer, Lo Yira Ravak Behema, Velo Yishnu Shnei Ravakim Betalas Echad. Rabbi Huda says similarly, a young man, a young single man, should not be a shepherd, nor should two young single men share one cover. In other words, sleep in the same bed and share one cover. Chacham Matir, Nacham ultimately permit this. What's going on over here? Says the Gemara, my time. And I will say the, the first discussion over here, the truth is, Rashi already points out over here. If you look at Rashi in the short lines, about three lines in, Rashi says, Lo yira ravak es Ultimately, we're concerned that if there's a young single man who's shepherding animals, he may, he may desire the animals. In other words, we'll say, one of the, one of the things that has come up over and over again in these last sugyas is the taiva, the taiva, the extreme, extreme, and sometimes overwhelming desire that, that people have for sexual activity. And how sometimes, again, that desire manifests itself in very unhealthy and sometimes illicit ways. So that's why, again, Lashon over here is a young single man shouldn't go ahead and shepherd animals out of a fear of taiva. Similarly, again, the Mishnah says, Rashi says, So similarly, again, the concern of two single young men sharing a cover is the concern of engaging homosexual activity. Okay, the Chachamim said, now the Chachamim are matter this. Rashi says, why they matter this? Because again, the Chachamim say that a person is not, we're not worried about people engaging in bestiality or in homosexual activity. So I will say, it's a, it's a fascinating machlokas in general about everyone agrees with the premise. And the premise is that man has a natural desire and proclivity to sexual activity, right? And people are drawn to that, and that is a constant battle and a constant ongoing desire. The shayla just is, or the machlokas just is, how far does it extend? In other words, how, 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 wide, how wide does it, so to speak, manifest itself? Does it even go into the concern of bestiality? Does it even go into the concern of homosexuality? So that's the fundamental machlokas in the Chachamim. 
and Rabbi Yehuda. Good, so it says the Gemara, we'll say another Mishnah begins by focusing on the first part of the Mishnah. So the first part of the Mishnah told us that a single man and a single woman should not go ahead and be teachers of children. So my time, Ilema Mishum Yenuke, so are you concerned, Chas V'Shalom again, with, let's say, this man going ahead and engaging in, uh, in, in, in sexual activity with children? Is that, is that what this is? But again, the Chacham said, so again, the Brayse said, the Chacham said, Rabbi Yehuda, Klal Yisrael is not, is not nechshad on mishkav zachar, homosexuality, or on bestiality. Now, I will say, now, now just to be clear, it's not, the Gemara is not saying that these things don't happen. Pe- people are people, and people engage in all kinds of things. Now, let's say, when Chazal make a halacha, they make a halacha, the halacha always governs the quote-unquote norm. When I say norm, it governs the majority. The majority, it doesn't mean that there's not a minority, and it doesn't mean that there aren't people who engage in a whole spectrum of activities. It's important, it's important to understand. I will say also, I just, I, I, I just also want to mention, I will say that, remember that in general, especially, especially when, when dealing with homosexual activity, I will say, if the Torah prohibits something, it means that a person has a natural desire for it. It's very important to understand. Chedosh Baruch doesn't have to go ahead and tell you not to do things that are alien to you. If something is usr, like the Torah says, lo sachmod, don't covet. Why does the Torah say don't covet? Because it's natural for us to covet. So if the Torah goes ahead and, and says that, that a man cannot have a, a, a sexual relationship with another man like he does with a woman, that means that that desire exists. That the desire exists. Hakadosh Baruch Hu saying, "I understand the desire exists, but there are certain things in this world that you can't do." So, we'll say, so I just want to point out also how we're always we're always, we never stand in judgment of people. That that is never our place. It's never our place. People all have their different struggles. People all have their different nisyonos. And again, you wouldn't want anyone sitting in judgment of your struggle, and we can't stand in judgment of someone else's struggle. It's incredibly important. So here, we're talking about halachic behaviors. So the Gemara says as follows. What's the issue with small children? So we'll say, what is the issue ultimately, again, with a single man or a woman teaching young children? The issue is when you teach young children, often you're interacting with a parent. So the concern is, if you're a single guy and you're teaching young children, you're interacting with the mothers a lot. So there's just a concern. Again, I will say, this goes back to the Yichud Sugya as well. There is a concern that that a great amount of interaction with the opposite gender, oh, and, and again, especially if one of the people involved is not married, could potentially just lead to, to illicit things. So this is Chazal trying to tell us, be careful, be careful, and therefore, Allah again, with a single man or woman teaching the young children, the man's going to be interacting with mothers, the woman's going to be interacting with fathers, and therefore, again, I will say, one has to go ahead and be careful. I will say, this is the theme over and over and over how we do have to be careful with the nature of our interactions with the opposite gender. I will say, people, people who think that they're above these kind of things, right, are usually the first ones to become ensnared in it. It's important. There has to be a modicum of tznius. There has to be a modicum of modesty. It applies again for teachers. It applies for how a person conducts themselves in their own social lives, right? Couples interact with each other. Baruch Hashem, and they, that's fine. But there does have to be a certain level of tznius. There has to be a certain, not a certain level, there has to be a heightened level of tznius of modesty with how any man interacts with any woman who is not his wife and vice versa. It doesn't mean no interaction. But what it means is mindful interaction, recognizing that again, people are people and an individual always has to create certain healthy barriers to ensure that things, that interactions always remain Bikdu Shabbatara. Rabbi Lazar Omer, Rabbi Lazar says, he went so far to say that even if a man is not young, but he doesn't have a wife, he also shouldn't teach young children. Says says interesting. So is this a din in not being married or not having your wife with you? In other words, what the Nafkamina would be, let's say somebody is married, but they're teaching, let's say it was common, it was common, especially like in pre-war Europe, that if somebody needed to earn a parnas as a teacher, they often would go ahead and take a teaching position in a different town. 
in a different town. So what is it? Is it a din ultimately again in being married, or is it a din in being married and living with your wife? Which which one is it? So the Gemara says, "Ibaylo mishein lo ishaklal odel b'sheiner shruya etzlo." So Tashma, af mishi yeshlo, af mishi yeshlo, ve'ener shruya etzlo lo yamazofer. So I'll say so again. You have a pretty explicit brayso. The brayso says even someone who has a wife but doesn't live with her should not go ahead and teach young children. So you see the idea. The idea ultimately is not just being married, but being married ultimately and living in one's wife keeps one grounded, keeps what keeps one healthy, and ultimately again, if he doesn't have that, better not to be a teacher of young children. Rabbi Huda Omer lo yira. Rabbi Huda says. Even a young, a single young man shouldn't shepherd animals. Tanya Amr lo Rabbi Yehuda lo nechshed du Yisra amish kavzachar v'lo ala behema. And as I will say, so the, the comes back to Berlazer. I, I understand what you're trying to do, but Lamaisa again, even though a person is nechshed for certain immoral activity, it's not any type of immoral activity. A general, a general individual is not going to be suspected. It's not going to be. We're not going to worry about him. Both for homosexual activity as well as for bestiality. Good. So I will say again, what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? You're like, I knew it. I, that's why I never became a shepherd. No, that's 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 not that's not the takeaway. Right? I will say the, the takeaway, and this is really important. We, we live we live in a highly sexualized society. Everywhere you look, and everywhere it, it, it's it's it, it, again we're bombarded by it to a certain point that we we even become numb to it. It's just important for us. Again, Chazal is sensitizing us that we are human beings. We are human beings. And as human beings, we have natural wants and desires. And those wants and desires could so easily derail us from accomplishing the holy objectives in life. Be mindful of it. Be mindful of it. Be mindful of how you interact. Be mindful of what you look at. Be mindful of what you engage in. Just be mindful. Recognizing that all of these things, especially in the realm of morality versus immorality. Such and homosexuality have the ability to either make us or break us. Says the Mishnah. Both say, incredible. Last Mishnah, Masechus Kiddushin, and it's, uh, and, it's, and it's an overwhelming one. So the Mishnah says as follows. Any person whose business deals with women should be careful not to be, not to, not to be miyachi, not to be alone with women. I will say, now, what, what does this mean? So take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, So we'll, we'll further define this in the Gemara. But I will say, but the idea over here is, we're talking about a profession which caters towards women. Right, so again, person has, well, again, we'll give examples. A person has a profession which caters towards women. In that case, a person should not go ahead and have yichud with them. And I will say, remember again from the previous saga we saw, what's the definition of yichud? So remember again, yichud, one man, one man with two women is yichud, right? But along those lines, one man with three women is not yichud. Now, the, the Mishnah saying is like this. If, however, halach a person has a profession which causes him to constantly interact and engage with women, then he should be careful not to have any kind of yichud, even with larger groups of women. Look at Rashi. So we'll say, because he's used to interacting with women, and women are used to interacting with him, the concern is that even with a larger group of women, women something illicit could occur. So uh, uh, an interesting, an interesting like, carve-out. So although the halachos of yichud say, one man with two women is yichud, but one man with more than two women is not yichud. If your profession is constantly has you interacting with women, there's a certain regularity that exists, and that regularity ultimately could breed immorality. So therefore, a person like that should be careful never to be alone with women. So what it essentially means is, make sure to always have another man with you in your interactions. A man should not teach his son this type of profession. Interesting. In other words, don't teach your child a professional. We'll say this, this goes with the, with the mandate that we saw earlier on in Kiddushin, that it is a father's obligation to teach his son a parnasa, a trade, right? An omnus of some sort. In other words, we'll say the same way that I arm my son, I arm my child, you know, with, with moral ethical lessons. I also have to go ahead and arm my children, arm my, arm my specifically a son, the Mishnah is referring to over here, but maybe today applies to all children, with a way to support themselves, a way to support themselves. 
Right, because a father should not go ahead and teach his son this type of profession that will cause him to constantly interact with women. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, It's beautiful. person should teach his child a profession that is nikia, clean, and kala, easy. Easy. Now we'll say, well, we'll have to see exactly what that means. And we'll say, along with that, And then a person should daven. Tehi. Who, who is the master of all wealth and all property, which means is that it's not enough to go ahead and to teach your child a, 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 a profession. Remember again, along with teaching your child a profession comes what? Divine intervention. A willingness to dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to ask him. Ask him for assistance. She'ein. We'll say, Spavay, such a, such a, this, what a descriptive term of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to daven, to he who owns all wealth and all possessions. And all possessions. My material success, of course, requires my hishtadlus, requires my effort. But at the end of the day, the success is not rooted in my hishtadlus. The success is rooted in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Hashidam to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Sigmar says, She'in umnus, she'in ba'anios v'ashiros. I will say this is incredible. There is no profession that doesn't both have poverty and wealth. I will say it's the most incredible thing. You could have two people engaging in the same exact profession. Right, same exact profession. I often find, you know what you find this, it seems to be you find this all the time, when people say they're in real estate, right? I'm in real estate, right? And it's so interesting, right? Because some people, are, they're, they're in real estate, right? And, and some people are like, I'm in real estate. You know, it, 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 it's, it's the same exact thing. It's the same exact, which you can do with any profession, right? With any profession, you have people, it's not the profession that ultimately determines your success. So you know what it says? Everything ultimately, I will say, is in accordance with your zechus. Now, I will say, this is incredible. Your material success in life, yes, you have to put in your hishtadlos, but your material success in life ultimately, again, is really based on your personal piety as well. Based on the spiritual of Tushan, I will say, now, again, just to be clear, remember, all of these gemaras always operate within the context of a much greater we'll call it like philosophical discussion. There are plenty of people who are very righteous and are poor, right? And plenty of people who are, who are, who are not righteous and materially successful. So obviously, again, we know that Akadosh Baruch who runs the world with, uh, with a complex math, so to speak. You know, there's, there's a lot that goes into this. But in terms of on an individual level, how do we interact with our parnosa? How do I interact ultimately, again, with my livelihood? How do I see my material success? So it's important to understand, yes, I have to put in my effort, but at the end, the Yachash Baruch Hu controls everything. And my material success in this world is going to be fundamentally rooted in my personal piety. How is my Ruchnius doing? And if my Ruchnius is up to par and really exceeding expectations, then hopefully that's the recipe for material success. And if my Ruchnius ultimately, again, is falling way below what I should be putting out, then at the end of the day, I won't meet with material success. Rabbi Shimon Alazar Omer, Raisa is incredible. Rabbi Shimon Alazar says, Raisa miyamecha chayi v'ov sheishlam omnus. It's incredible. Rabbi Shimon Alazar says, have you ever seen an animal, right, the chayi, an animal, a non-domesticated animal or a bird that has a day job? Right? Have you ever seen something like that where someone's reporting to the office first thing in the morning, and yet somehow all of their needs are taken care of? And Rav Shimon says, Rav Shimon also says, these animals, why were they created? They were created to serve me. They were created for me. And I was created to serve my master, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Certainly then, you hear the Kavachomer over here? Have you ever seen an animal showing up at an office, right, to make a parnasa? No. Somehow all of their needs are taken care of. And yet, they're only created to serve me. So me, so I, who is created to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Allah has come of a I certainly should be able to make my parnasa without any kind of sour, without any kind of difficulty. So let's say, here's the problem. Here, it sounds so beautiful. What's the problem? What's the problem? There's a lot of tzar. There is, it's hard to make a parnasa, and it's hard to support a family. And even if you're quote-unquote successful, sometimes, again, the amount of success you're bringing in is still not enough to go ahead and take care of your family, take care of your needs. So what do you do? So I'm sure how do you reconcile this? Well, it's incredible. It's not a problem with parnasa. Ela shahora asi masai, the problem I will say is that often the reason I'm not bringing in the parnas I need to bring in is because my actions are not where they need to be. And because my actions are not where they need to be, I will say, listen to this, 
my actions are negative. In other words, I'm behaviorally, actually, I'm not where I need to be. And as a result, I literally, again, have like cut off my parnasa. Right? I, I, I will say, what's more saying over here is very often, it's that's standing in my way. It's me who's standing in my way. I'm placing myself on the obstacle. If only I was spiritually stronger, if only I was doing more, if only I was accomplishing more, then ultimately, again, the Parnassah would come along as well. There is a beautiful, beautiful idea. Just be mindful of the time. I think we're okay. There is a... There's no makeup today. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a beautiful, beautiful idea. I will say this Lushin over here, So they told us Yaakov Yosef, Yaakov Yosef of Palnai. Yaakov of Palnai. So it says something absolutely beautiful. He says, he quotes the Chovas Halavavas. He quotes the Chovas Halavavas. And the Chovas, we actually learned this together. It says the Chovas Halavavas points out, why is it that a person is, so, why does Parnasa take so much effort? Right? Why does making a living take so much effort? And the Chavos Alavavos says, he says, Shelo yelo asik Baruch made Parnasa difficult. Why? So he shouldn't have free time. He will say, unstructured free time is the bane of man's existence. Think about any time that you've gone ahead and made a mistake in life. It never happens in the context of being busy. It always happens in the context of being idle. So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch made Parnasa so difficult. Why? So that a person should have free time. Well, again, not having free time doesn't mean you shouldn't relax. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have, free time means oh, we spoke about this with the Piazzetna. Unstructured, unstructured, productive time. So therefore, Parnosa a little bit more challenging than maybe it has to be, in order that I shouldn't have unstructured free time. Now this is what I'll say. He says, Aha Adam. So we'll say, so a person who chooses to use his time ultimately again in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then ultimately again, Yasig Parnasa will be able to make his Parnasa without an incredible amount of effort. Why? Because since he's already using his time wisely, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not have to occupy him with the creation of Parnasa. And as well, you hear what's going on over here? See, the whole, he says, the whole chap over here is, Chalash Baruch who makes me busy with, with earning a parnasal so that I shouldn't be idle. Because if I'm idle, I get myself into trouble. But a person who has already made the commitment not to lead an idle life, I maximize my life. I maximize my time. Well, if I'm maximizing my time, then guess what? Parnasa could come a little bit more easily. Because Cheshwara doesn't have to occupy me with Paranasa because I'm already using my time well. So the Tulsak of Yosef says, that's the Pshat, that, that, that's what Rabbi Shimon Alazar was saying. Why do I struggle with Paranasa? Listen to this. Kapach has Paranasasi. It's not a punishment, I'm saying. Sometimes the reason I Cheshwara when we see struggle with my Paranasa, Kapach has Paranasasi, Shalom Shaloyiya Panuridvarim Betalim. So I will say, sometimes when I have to struggle with Paranasa, it's not a punishment. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu trying to keep me occupied. Because he recognizes that if I'm not occupied, I'm going to get myself into all kinds of trouble. So there was Hills, Yaakov Yosef says, so what's the, what's the key to not struggling with Parnasa? Making sure proactively that I'm using my time wisely. If I am properly scheduled, if I'm using the moments of life in the highest productive way. And again, I want to be clear, highest productivity doesn't mean you're learning all the time. Highest productivity means you could account for how your time is used. If you could account for how your time is used, then will give you parnasa more easily because he doesn't have to keep you occupied. But if I'm idling in life, if I'm idling, you know what I said, you know, it was incredible. I was coming out of the airport yesterday and you know, the airport, the airport has these signs by passenger pickup Sign says, no idling. No idling. And I said, <laughs> First thing I saw when I came into Chosars, literally first words I saw when I stepped out of JFK Airport, no idling. No idling. However, that's it. That's the mantra, no idling. So if there's no idling, if there's no idling, right? Not, not, not I-D-O-L-I-N-G, right? Again, not idling, I-D-I, right? So, so, so no idling, I will say. So again, if a person is busy and a person is using their time productively, HaKadosh Baruch gives them paranasa more easily. 
But if I'm idling, Kishmar says, listen, I gotta keep this guy in trouble. How do you keep a person out of trouble? I'll say, nothing keeps you occupied like working very hard to make ends meet. So sometimes how hard we have to work for Parnassa is fundamentally dependent on how we use our time. Okay, let's go back there. Says the Gemara, Abagorian, Ish Saitan or Mishuma Abagoria, Lo Yelamit Adam Espino, Chamar. So it was interesting. He goes through a list now of professions that you should not go out and teach your kids. Chamar, a, a donkey driver. Gamal, a camera driver. Kedar. Now, I will say, Kedar, he says over here, it's actually interesting because he gives different kinds of definitions over here. Um, oh, 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 sorry. Did I miss the Rashi? Okay, all right, we'll come to it again. Keda, most like Keda, we're going to see is an interesting machlokis as to what it means. Keda usually means like a, a potter, but we'll see it means something different over here. Safan is a sailor, Roa is a shepherd, Vechenveni is a shopkeeper. Okay, so this is the list of things you should not do. Why? Shulnasan umnas listing. Unfortunately, these types of professions usually, usually go ahead and usually go ahead and you have some kind of theft. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, it is here, Hamar, Gamal, Safan, Kedar. So we'll say, so again, Kedar, according to Rashi over here, is Bal Kronos, is a wagon driver. So what's the chap over here? Rashi says, So we'll say, so apparently, because these professions often require travel, so people help themselves to stuff they find in other people's fields. Again, chen v'nir, but I'll say we're going to see, is lamaisa an issue, is, is, is often an issue of overcharging. So these are things that a person should not do because ultimately they come to fever. Yehudon Mishmo, right? Hachamarin Ruban Rishoim, says Rabbi Yehuda says, most, most donkey drivers are Rishoim, v'agimolim roban k'shirim, and ultimately by camel drivers, the majority of them are k'shirim. V'asapon Ruban chasidim, sailors, most of them are pious. And we'll say, what's the chap over here? So again, donkey drivers, we saw before that Lamaisa, they often end up just stealing things from other people. Again, what's the chap with camel drivers and sailors? We'll say, camel drivers have to operate in the desert. Sailors have to operate on the open sea. There's nothing that makes you more dependent on God than being in the middle of a desert or in the middle of the ocean. So therefore, again, interesting to have a different version of here. Yudha says, these people are often the most pious. So the Gemara goes right there. Tov shebarofim legehenim. All right, this might require a little bit of, of explanation, <laughs> right? The best of doctors go to Gehenim. And I was saying, what's, what's that? So take a look at Rashi. So Rashi says over here, Rashi says, Tov Shebro from Gehenim, but it's, it's like three lines up from before the lines get wide. Eino Yari Minacholi. So I will say, what is a, a doctor? A doctor, according to the Mishnah, is the person who is most prone to arrogance, right? Why? Because the doctor thinks he knows everything. After I will say, think about it. A person is a doctor. That means they are the Rebbonosh of Olam's shutaf. The Rebbonosh of Olam's partner in healing. Right? Affecting Rufua is one of the most incredible things in the world. But having the ability and the knowledge to partner with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do that. And not recognizing that it's not you. It's not you, doctor. It's you as a Shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you forget that piece, that breeds an incredible amount of arrogance and hubris. And arrogance and hubris is the pathway, right? It's the yellow brick road right down to Gehenna. So look at Rashi. He says, So first of all, again, often the doctor thinks he's unsusceptible to illness, right? Since he knows everything about how to heal, he thinks he's above illness. The doctor often, again, only eats, you know, very healthy food. He feels that he doesn't have to daven. Right? Because after all, again, he possesses the knowledge. Upamim shahorig nefasho. So also, this is a bit more sinister. Sometimes the doctor is neglectful in his duty to care for others. And sometimes also, the doctor only works for a fee. And if the person can't go ahead and pony up the cash, the doctor says no. The doctor says no. So both say, essentially, you see, people think that this is an indictment to doctors. It's actually just the opposite. It's the Mishnah telling us, how, how much koach the doctor has as a shot of Tuach Baruch Hu. But like any situation where there is great power, there is also the possibility for, for great undoing as well. So sometimes the best of the doctors, the best of the doctors, ultimately again are the ones who go to Gehenna for the reasons that we just mentioned over here. And the best of the butchers, Shutfal Shalamalik. Ultimately again as a partner of Amalek. Now this is actually interesting. 
Rashi says over here, why is he a partner to Amalek? Look at Rashi first, wide line. Tov Shabbat Tabachim, Sveke Trefos, both the Yadov, Echas, Amalona Machilan. Sometimes we'll say a butcher, a butcher has a Yitzhara, ultimately again to kind of um, um, not be careful with guidelines, right? Because remember, a, show, a, a, a butcher butchers an animal. Right, shechs the animal, butchers the animal. It turns out the animal is not kosher. So again, if Allah said that's a major financial loss. So he may be tempted to go ahead and cut corners. Now, I will say, it's interesting because according to Rashi, why does that make him a partner with a malik? So Marashah says a little bit differently. Marashah says, it actually is a different idea. I will say, a butcher, a butcher is someone who's constantly taking life. The problem with constantly taking life is it can numb you to the value of life. I will say, what's Amalek? Amalek was the nation that had no value of human life. I will say, you know, there's an incredible sefer. I remember when I was learning Hilchul Shrita, so there's an incredible sefer called Simla Chadasha. Simla Chadasha is a sefer that goes to all of Hilchul Shrita in 30 days. The idea is for the Shochi to constantly, and in the introduction to the sefer Simla Chadasha, he discusses the concept ultimately of how when you're a Shochi or you're a butcher, you can easily become desensitized to human life. It's the same thing with the doctor also. Anytime you're constantly dealing with death, it's easy to become desensitized to life. And when you become desensitized to life, that, that of course represents a very scary moment of Chas Shalom. Become what's Amalek? What's Amalek? And I will say today, Amalek includes, you know, Yishma, Amalek includes what we've seen. We've seen what Amalek is. Amalek represents a lack of regard for human life. For human life. Just human life doesn't mean anything. So when human life doesn't mean anything, you could commit the worst atrocities. When human life doesn't mean anything, you could use you know, innocent civilians as shields. When human life means nothing, you could do anything. You could do anything. So just be careful. Because if you're always operating around death, that lack of sensitivity to life could easily set in. Very scary. Rabbi Narayam, Rabbi Narayam says, what's the end of the Mishnah? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So Rabbi Narayam says, as far as I'm concerned, right, I would leave behind every profession and I only want to teach my son Torah. Now, what is Rabbi Norai saying? You know, I'll say, on one hand, we have this concept like we saw before. You have to have a profession. You have to have a profession. My father has an obligation to go ahead and, and teach us on a profession. You know, Rabbi says, you know what the problem is? Every profession is riddled with challenges. And it is, or say that's the way that it is. There's no such thing as a profession that doesn't have its challenges. So, like Rabbi Norai looks at the mission and he says, you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm going to leave aside all of the professions of the world. Ve'eni malamid es bini elator. I'm only going to teach my child Torah. She'adam ochal miskara ba'olam azeh ve'akarin kayam asilolam alav. A person goes ahead and enjoys its reward in this world, but yet the principle is sustained to benefit from the world to come. Ushar kala umnus ain't okay. But I'll say, but you know, other professions are not like that. Why? Kishadam bali decholi oli de zikna oli de yisurin ve'eni yachal lasa gumalachto harei who makes brav. I'll say this is such an incredible thing. This is so humbling. Person has a profession. Now, so you could have a person who is known as like the best in his profession. The best in his profession. Now, we'll say, what happens when that person gets old? Or for that matter, even not only, what happens when that person loses his faculties? Physical faculties, intellectual, mental, or, or mental faculties. We'll say, what happens to that great profession? What happens to that great profession? Gone. Gone. It, it's, and you see it, it's the most humbling thing in the world. Someone who is on the top of their game. And suddenly, again, they no longer have the skill set to be able to do the things they once did. Everything they worked for, everything they did, not everything they worked for, because that's always there, but that entire profession, which often defined them, is gone. Is gone. So the Lord says, Literally, he could die in famine. All right, that's quite not like a, a literal fashion. And the Torah is not like this. Torah guards you from all evil in your youth. And it gives you hope. Let's say, we'll talk about this more later on. It gives you hope in your old age. But now, in other words, Torah, will say, Torah sustains you when you're young and ultimately sustains you when you're old. And I will say, it's not only that. Even if you can't learn Torah, even if you can't learn Torah, the Torah of your youth carries you into your old age as well. Or as he's talking over here, the ability to learn Torah in your youth and in your old age. But even if a person can't learn Torah in their old age, you'll say the power, your career, your career, will say, you know, the incredible part is your career only serves you when you could do it. The moment you can't do it, you could reflect on it, right? You could enjoy the accomplishments of it. But once it's done, what, what was it, right? this is the big problem. This is the big problem that people have when they retire, right? They retire and like, 
they're walking around and they don't know what to do. Suddenly, again, they're having shalom bias problems, right? Because, like, the wife is like, you, you need to get out, right? Like, you, you, you really, you need to do something. And so I will say, I didn't realize, like, my whole life I was productive, right? My whole life I was doing something. And now, again, now it's done. So, okay, I, what, what, Torah is not like that. So I say, profession is only good as long as you can do it. Once you can't do it, very nice. You know, whatever. We'll, we'll you know, have some plaques on the wall. But Lamaisa, once it's done, it's done. Torah is always there for you. It ultimately, again, guards you in your youth and ultimately gives you hope. Hope for the future. In your youth, what does it say? Those who put their trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be given renewed strength. Right? Ultimately, and they will be fruitful even in their old age. We'll say next week's parasha, Avraham Avinu became old and HaKadosh Baruch Hu again blessed him with everything. So the Gemara says, Matzino, Sha'asa Armavino has called Torah Kula, Achlon Nitno. Armavino performed the entire Torah, even before it was given. Shine Amar, Ekev Asher Shama Avraham Bekoli, Vayishmar Mishmartim Mitzvosai Chukosai Vesorosai. Shabbos says, the Gemara understands, why does the Pazik say, Vashem Beirachis Avraham Bakol? How did Armavino have everything? Because he had Torah. Because he had Torah. And when you have Torah, you have what you need to take care of yourself in your youth. And you have what you need to take care of yourself in your old age. Now, I will say, just before we go on, what does Rabbi Noorai mean when he says, right? I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna leave aside every profession and only teach my son Torah. I will say, come on, that, that, that is not a sustainable model. That's not a sustainable model, right? We, we see it. It's not a, should you have a segment of cloudy Yisrael sitting and learning? Of course. But again, en masse, en masse, it's not really a sustainable model. So how could Rabbi Noorai say that? Well, see, Rabbi Noorai is saying something different. Maybe what he's saying is like this. Maniach ani kol sheba means, before I teach my child a profession, right? Before I help him find any kind of profession, right? Ultimately, again, what? Eni malamid esbini Torah. Before we talk about what college you're going to go to, right? What you're going to do for a living. All the things that sometimes parents get very preoccupied with, even at a young age. Before we get into any of that stuff, I'm putting all that on the side. And what am I focusing on? I'm focusing on building a spiritually strong child. Let's say, especially in today's day and age. What is the key of Chinuch? The key of Chinuch is really, just in my humble opinion, not what math track you're on or not what AP classes you're taking. Those are all, it's nice, it's good. It's fair, but all of us know in the long run, long term, they mean absolutely nothing, right? What matters more than anything is building a spiritually robust child. If your child is spiritually strong, if your child is brought up on Torah, if your child loves learning, knows how to learn, appreciates Chalash Baruch Torah Mitzvos, There'll be plenty of time to find a profession. There'll be plenty of time to become for academic excellence. Plenty of time for all of that other stuff. That's Rabbi Nora. Rabbi Nora, I don't think Rabbi Nora is saying, I'm not going to teach my kid any trade, I'm just going to give him Torah. That, that's beautiful. How is he paying the mortgage? Right? How is he paying his bills? Okay, what, 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 is, what, is, what is he sending into the bank? We live in this world. The same way Rabbi Baruch who says, only from the sweat of your brow are you going to eat bread. You have to work for Parnasa. He's not saying, I'm not teaching my son an omnus, but the first step in my child's chinuch is not their academics. The first step in my child's chinuch, maniach, we'll say maniach doesn't mean I have to set aside for maniach, I'm placing it on the side. Maniach ani kol omnus olam ve'eni malamin esbini Torah. To have a successful child, there has to be a strong religious, spiritual Torah identity. That's number one. And then once you have that, you can take on any profession you want. Once you have that, you can be as successful as you want in the world, but you will be grounded in ruchnus. You'll be grounded in holiness. You'll know how to navigate the sometimes complex world. That's what Rabbi Nahalai is saying. He's not saying give up on Parnassah just for Torah. He's saying gird yourself, arm yourself, bolster yourself, build a strong spiritual identity first and foremost. That is the most important thing for the Yid. That's the most important thing for the Jew. Then after you have that, or again, after you establish a foundation and you continue to build on it, then you could do whatever else you want to do. But don't bypass 
the most important thing that I will say that is our sacred mission in this world, which is ultimately, again, Malamed Esbini Torah, to create for ourselves and for our children a strong, unshakable spiritual identity. Says the Gemara. Okay, we really have to go. Turn around, on. Kol sura Should I say, so any, any person who has a profession that just deals with women, ultimately, again, develops a very negative character. The idea is a concern of immorality. So the Gemara says, Kigon, Hatsarfin, Vashikim, Vanekuros, Varochlin, Vagardim, Vasofrin, Vakobsim, Vagara, Vahabalan, Vaborsikim. Okay, just, uh, that's a pretty extensive list of things you can't. And I will say, these are all things, ultimately, again, these are all professions that brought a person in constant contact with, with women. So again, the Tzarfin, I will say, are again, Rashi says over goldsmiths, Srikim, Srikim are, are people who go ahead and tease fabric. Nikuros, Rashi says, are people who clean hand mills, Rochlin, spice merchants, Gardim, also people who deal with fabrics. Sofrin, that's what we saw before with the teacher of young children. Kofsim, launders, Gara, Hablon, Vaborsiki. So we'll say again, Rashi, Rashi goes that Gara is a blood letter, Gar, Balon is a bathhouse attendant, Borsiki is a tanner. We'll say if a person has this profession, they cannot go ahead and be a king or be a coin goddle. My time, what's the reason? It's not because they're possible. Well, these were considered to be less than respectable professions. So because of that, again, these were professions that were considered to be like lower tier type of professions. And remember, again, when appointing someone to a melech or a coin goddle, they have to be looked up to, which means they have to come from a status of, of material wealth as well. There are 10 things that are said about a blood letter. He walks on his side. These are all things that represent arrogance and haughtiness. He walks on his side. So he's arrogant. He always reclines. He's stingy. He has an evil eye. eats a lot and he only, he only excretes a little, which represents having like a very like a fine diet. The chashad al arayas, he's chashad on immorality, because again, he spends a lot of time with women. Va'al gezel, and on theft, va'al shichos talmud about murder. In other words, don't be a bloodletter. That's the takeaway. Darish bar kafra, the olam yilamid adam es b'no umnus nekiyah v'kala. Mishnah said a person should teach his child a profession that is nekiyah, that is clean and kala and easy. So Amr Yehuda, what is that? Amr Be'ezer was saying, Mechta v'tam yusah. Okay, to be a sower. So apparently there was this type of sowing. Mechta de Talmiyusa, Rashi points out over here, was a type of sowing, a uh, type of sowing, like a furrow type of sowing, which apparently was considered to be a, a relatively easy profession, generated a parnos and allowed you to maintain your spiritual integrity. I will say, just the, the, important, the important thing to remember with all of this is, the takeaway is that my parnosa should never be something that erodes in my spirituality. And if my parnosa is something that causes me to compromise my spirituality, erodes my spiritual integrity, it's the wrong profession. It's the wrong profession. That's the idea. The Gemara is trying to, there can't be an ongoing, otherwise, does a person sometimes run into a conflict in, in their workplace with their spiritual? Of course, that happens. But the nature of my work can't be something that constantly battles against my spiritual persona and identity. And if it does, then it's time to choose another job. is incredible. There is no parnasa. There is no type of parnasa that ultimately, again, doesn't is isn't void. Isn't void. In other words, we'll say overes mina olam. Rashi says over shevetelo mina olam bein shinikia bein shimuusa. In other words, we'll say every parnasa at some point in time becomes obsolete. Right. Every every type of work at some point becomes obsolete. Ashrei sheroas harabu umnas muula. This is beautiful. Praiseworthy is the one who sees his parents engaged in a noble profession. Was I so profound, right? Our children see, they learn from how we make our money. How do we make our money? So praiseworthy is the parent. This goes to a constant theme that Chazal always expressed, which is children remember very little of what their parents say. Very little of what their parents say, but remember much of what their parents do. And I will say, so again, my child sees, my child knows how I make my money. My child knows how I conduct myself professionally. My child knows ultimately, again, how I balance spiritual priorities with material priorities. What am I cutting corners on? Where am I taking shortcuts? Am I honest? 
Do I speak appropriately in business? Do I conduct myself appropriately in my profession? So praiseworthy is the person. It's such a beautiful idea. Praiseworthy is the person who sees his parents engaged in a noble... What's the, what's the definition of a noble profession? A noble profession is any profession that allows you to provide for your family and doesn't cause you to compromise your integrity and allows you to build your identity as a Yirei Shamayim. That is a noble profession. Whatever you do, that, that's, as long as it allows you to do those things, that's a noble profession. Praiseworthy is the child who sees that. Woe to the child who sees his parents ultimately engage in a profession in which spirituality is constantly compromised, in which integrity is constantly compromised, in which causes me to take shortcuts in my spirituality. The world can't exist without a perfumer and without a tanner. So, so, so lucky is the one who is the perfumer, and unlucky is the one who remember tanneries stink. And ultimately, enough times uh, working in a tannery, you begin to smell tanner. But I'll say, it's, it's an important disorder as well. Whatever you do for a living, sometimes people think that what they do for a living, they could separate out, that's my job, but I have a different identity. Well, say, after a certain amount of time, you smell like your career. So, Lamaisa, if you have a good career and you're honest and ehrlich and you're being Mikhadeh Shim Shemaim, you'll be fragrant. I will say, if every day you're in and you're compromising and you're doing shady stuff and the stuff that's happening that I should not be doing and I'm compromising my spirituality, the stench of it will cling to you over time as well. Incredible. EF Shali Olam below Scharm or below Nakevos. The world can't exist without men and without women. Ashre Mi Shabanav Zicharim. Praiseworthy is the one who has sons. Va'ailo l'mi shebanav nekevos. And woe to the one who has daughters. I will say, just understand, what did Chazal saying with this? Anyone who has daughters knows exactly what Chazal is saying to this. So I will say, the worry that a father has for daughters. The worry that a father has for daughters. And the preoccupation that a father has for the safety and security of his daughters. Only someone who has daughters can understand. And someone who has daughters, even once they're married, and even once they're on their own, the worry, the worry, the fear of a vulnerability of a daughter, I will say, is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. That's what Chazal is saying over here. Sons, you know what the good part about sons is? You're pretty confident, one way or another, they're going to figure it out. You know your daughters are going to figure it out also. But there's still such a concern, and such a, such, such, such a care, and such a concern, that a father has for a daughter that never, never abates. Never abates. A person should teach his son, ultimately, again, a profession that is nikiyah, that is clean, and kala, easy. And I will say again, once again, what does easy mean? Easy means that it doesn't impinge on your spirituality. I will say it's so incredibly important. You know, people think, I will say, that in order to climb the ladder, look, you've got to put in your time and do things that are going to cause you to take shortcuts on your spirituality, but it's only, it's only for a certain amount of time. Who says, who says that a Jew is allowed to take a job that consumes 80 hours of his week that he can't dine with a minion? Who says? Who's, who, uh, or people justify because it's an essay. Who's, it requires a shiloh. Person has to ask. Person has to ask about whether or not they're really permitted to engage in a profession that is fundamentally going to impinge on their spiritual development. It's not so posh that a person is allowed to do that. And it's not so posh that a person should do that. Again, are there times in life where things become hectic? Of course, of course. But kind of as like a way of going forward, I'll say, a person really has to think about, my parnasa is important, but my spirituality, my ruchnius, is even more important. And a person who goes ahead and engages in a profession, that by definition causes him to take shortcuts on his spirituality. Most of you know what the statement I'm making? No one would ever purposely take this statement, make this statement. But the statement I'm making is, my role in my parnasa is more important than Akadosh Baruch Hu's role in my parnasa. Oh, no one would ever actually make that statement. But sometimes we end up making that statement through the choices we make. A person has to be careful with these things. And a person should daven to he who is in charge of my wealth and my property. Because I will say the truth is, poverty and wealth are not really from your profession. The reason why we never take shortcuts in our spirituality for the purpose of our parnasa is a very simple one. Because my wealth and my success doesn't come from my parnasa. My wealth and my success comes from my Kaddish Baruch Hu. Don't take shortcuts in your spirituality for the purpose of advancing your career. First white line is beautiful. I never saw I never saw a deer who made his parnasa through drying figs. 
right? Ari Sabal. And I never saw a lion who made his parnasa through carrying packages. I never saw a fox who was a shopkeeper. Somehow, they all find their parnasa. They all find their parnasa. And they were only created only to serve me. And I was created in order to serve my master. So if the animal kingdom, which were only created to go ahead and serve me, they find their parnasa without tzar, without difficulty. And I was created to serve a Baruch Hu. Certainly, I should be able to find my parnasa without tzar. So I will say, so why do I have tzar? So why, this is what we saw before. Rabbi Norai, why do I have tzar? Why do I have tzar? So the Gemara says, Elo shere osies masai. Both as we saw before, why? Because halacha because halacha ultimately, again, kipachti, I, we explained before, as we saw before, in the, we saw before, quoted by the told of Yosef, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Palnoi. And I'll say, why? Ultimately, if I struggle with parna, so often it's because I'm not living a good enough spiritual life, I'm idling too much, I'm idling too much, so has to keep me busy with parnasa. But if only I would just get my life in order, use my time wisely, I would be able to make my parnasa maybe with a little less tsar. Incredible. Let's go right. Rabbi Norai, Omer Maniach, Ani Eskol Omnus. We'll say, let's finish up. We'll say, end of Meseches Kiddushin. End of Meseches Kiddushin. We'll say, Shechiyonu Vikimonu Vigiyonu Lazman Azatanya. Rabbi Norai, Omer Maniach, Ani Kol Omnus Sheva Olam, Ve'in Melamed Espini El Torah. Rabbi Norai says, I would leave aside every other profession in the world and I would only teach my son to Rabbi Remember again, we explained. Rabbi Norai was really saying, you can't forsake Parnasa, but you could go ahead and first work on establishing strong, strong spiritual identity before you worry about the other things, because having a core identity rooted in Torah Bosai that guides you through life. So Rabbi Arai says, I would leave aside everything and only teach my son Torah. say, any profession you're going to have, no matter how great you are, is only going to sustain you and take care of you in your youth. But in your old age, but again, your old age, when you can't do your parnasa, suddenly again, that parnasa, which was there for you all those years, you don't have, and a person could die from famine. Torah is not like that. say The Torah that you learn in your youth stands for you, stands for you in your youth. And it gives you hope and optimism for your future. The What's the pasuk? Those who put their faith in Hakadosh Baruch will have renewed strength. I will say sometimes if you're walking around with constant fatigue, you know what the answer to constant fatigue is? More ruchnius, more Torah, pushing yourself more. The more you invest in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the more you put into your spiritual identity, the more Koach HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you. Eya'alu Eivar Kancherim B'Zik Nusoma Omer. Rabbi say, what does it say in your old age? Ol Yunuvim B'Seva Yeshenim V'Ra'anonim Yeyu. I'll say, ultimately, again, they will be fruitful even in their old age. Rabbi say, the power of Torah and the power of a Torah identity, Rabbi say, ultimately, again, is number one. If I begin with it, it lays the proper groundwork for how I acquire my Parnasa. And I will say there are very few things in life that you could say that you will have in every stage of life. Your career, I will say careers come and go, even if you're at the top of your game, right? Once you can't do your career anymore, okay, you could bask in past accomplishments, but it's done, but it's done. And I will say, but the Torah I have a life, the Torah I have a life sustains me while I learn it in my youth and still remains by my side as a zchus and as a light, even in my old age. I will say, what a way to end the Masechta. This is the beauty of the daf. The daf is our light. The daf is our guiding light. We have to stop. But the daf ultimately, again, is what guides us every step of the day. I will say, you know what the beauty of the daf is? The daf is incredible when you learn it. And I will say, you feel it walking by your side. You feel the little bleener of. You feel Masechus Kedushin walking by your side each and every moment of the day. As you go, the Gemara is closed already. But yet, I still feel the block with me. I still feel the daf with me. Every single step that I think. All right, more about this in Mirat Hashem by our Siyum. I will say, Shkoyach, Mazel Tov, and Mazel Tov on Savior Nashim. Tomorrow, tomorrow, B'Shatov, Mitzlachos, Shabbos afternoon, we have the great schos. To begin, Mesechas, Baba Kamo, Savior Nezikin, B'Shatov, Mitzlachos, I will say, Mazel Tov, and Mirat Hashem, Mizilcha. To continue to learn together, to continue to be assigned together in Halavai, our next Siyum, in Mirat Hashem, even sooner our next Siyum, our next blot, Shemir Hashem, being Yushayim, Habnur, Mihira, Biyamenu, Amen. Shkoyach, thank you. All right, Kabran, zoom, Mazel Tov, everyone. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you.